And the one-two. Swinging a drive toward right center. Back goes Robert. Back near the stands. That ball is gone. A game-winning home run for Chris Morrell. Can you believe it? Welcome to the Brotherly Cubs podcast. My name is Zach. I'm joined by my brother, John, and we're here to talk today about some shocking news about David Ross getting fired and Craig Council getting hired on a major league record average annual value and contract for a manager. John, how are we feeling? Are we excited? Are we pumped up? We're pumped up. We're ready. I'm ready to start the season and uh, I'm extremely happy i'm not feeling any remorse towards david ross but we can get into that (laughs) all right yes i also am excited and most of us fans i think are honestly shocked and it's this this news happened on monday we're recording tonight on a beautiful wednesday night before veterans day weather's great things are going well and yeah, this is incredibly shocking news. It's still taking a couple of days to even process this information. And we're going to get into why this is such really good news for the pod today, as we're just two brothers here that are lifelong Cub fans bringing you content every week. All right, John, first on our agenda. Why did they fire David Ross? Wrong answers only. They, well, they finally saw... Dancing with the Stars finale, and um, you know, they they saw where they had finished. You know, he finished second place, and they were not impressed. That's terrible. You can't so even dance to... with the Stars. How are you going to dance? How are you going to be you... a pro? How, how are you going to dance with the big leagues? How are you going to dance with Clark the Cub? I mean, it's not going to happen. Uh, we also noticed, um, Mr. Ross, that you haven't been reading the memos um you've missed the last 26 hawaiian shirt fridays so this is extremely disturbing and uh quite frankly we got tired of seeing ian happen the three hole for the 50th time the so, uh the firing reason there is a pattern of insubordinates is what that is it's a pattern of insubordinates at work with the hawaiian shirt day yeah. um it's casual if it's casual friday you gotta wear some jeans no more slacks no more slacks. <laughs> I've got some wrong answers. I've got some wrong answers. It's that he's dumb and bald. That's why they <laughs> he's dumb and bald. Hey, I mean, I don't take any offense to that. Hey, I'm I'm thinning. No, that's I forgot which Twitter account, but the, a lot of guys have dogpiled on Ross for for uh, anytime he makes a bad decision. There's like a meter, and it it tilts towards dumb and bald is why. <laughs> It's, not doing, it's just a stupid joke that's made its way on Twitter. Another reason why I think they fired him was he flipped off. I think it was Jock Peterson last year. If you're flipping people off in the middle of the game, you're going to get canned. That's yep. they just they yeah. stored that one away as a again pattern of insubordination. <laughs> he's he's really pissing off Ricketts. Yeah. Another reason was uh, another reason that. David Ross got fired was he was canning too many Long Island iced teas and too many lemon drops and vodka mixed drinks. Uh, yeah, that he he had too many of those on the job. Again, some insubordination. Insubordination. If I had. 
<laughs> I'm glad to not hear that. I'm glad to not hear constant Donald Trump impressions every single day of my life. I mean, it was good that you put that one in there because it's been a while, but we used to hear those every day for like four years. Right. Some of them are pretty good. Like there's, uh, oh, yeah. I don't know who it is on SNL now is is actually really good about it. But Yep. James Austin Johnson. He has some good stuff on Twitter, aka X as well. But yes, I think, I think, he, yeah, he's the one on SNL and he's, he's remarkable. He's a great dude. Uh, yeah. He also did an impression of, who did he do? Oh, he did an impression of Louis C.K. And I totally thought it was Louis C.K. Like legit oh, thought wow. like, like what is Louis C.K. I'm like, oh no, that's this. This is the cadence he had with, with his accent. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> so let's be serious for a moment. Do you have any thoughts on, uh, I'm going to pass it to you. Why do you think Rossi was actually let go uh, by ownership? Uh, you know, I was looking at their record, um, their last 21 games, you know, starting from, I think it was September 7th. Um, I have that they were 8 and 13. Let's see, it was either 7 and 14 or 8 and 13, which is terrible down the stretch. Um, yeah. Some yeah. people call it a collapse. Uh, I think that's, it's a little egregious as far as um, calling it that. I just think they just performed incredibly poorly um for expectations for the team i think at that time and you know at the beginning of september they were going on a tear and they were um locking down that i believe the second uh wild card spot the phillies had the first wild card spot at the time and then all of a sudden it was it was just that last month or so of september they just kind of fell apart you could put you could point to the bullpen maybe being mismanaged um, we'll get into that obviously with council and, and how, how much of a, maybe an opposite that he is in regards to managing a bullpen a little bit better, but I think it's just, um, you know, there was also, he wasn't able to rest Dansby Swanson. So the biggest thing to me is a playoff collapse. I recently saw, I believe it was Ron Coomer who does radio alongside pat hughes he used to be ron santo passed away ron coomer took his place do the radio and he had a note about rickets from near the end of september which i believe was the the he his observations from the end of the brewers series this is like the very last series this is the cubs you know the death knell basically for the cubs what Coomer noticed was that this was the maddest Ricketts had ever been. Now, the Cubs have collapsed before, and they've done it a few times, even in the last six or seven years. Now, 2016, you win the World Series. 2017, get blown up by the Dodgers in the NLCS. 2018 was when the Brewers beat us, or was it the Rockies? I know the Rockies beat us in like a one-game playoff, and the Brewers beat us in a game 163. I get 18 and 19 switched around, but we did have leads in both years. I believe 2019 was a bigger collapse. I think we had like an eight game lead or something like that. And I remember some Kimbrel walk-off bombs that, that have given up. So this isn't the first Cubs collapse. It's possible that although Rossi wasn't managing those teams, that was Joe Madden. And hence the reason why that Rick had said, you know what? We've been grooming this guy, Jed, for the time Theo as well before he quit. And grooming this guy, let's bring him on. 
But as a fan base and as an owner, if your expectation is to spend a lot of money, get to the playoffs, and you've got a manager that, like you said, blows the lead in September, and you see this again and again and again, as a fan, it's heartbreaking. As an owner, when the team that wins six of seven from you in September goes on to take your place and goes all the way to the World Series, and they only beat you by a game in the standings, as well, good to note that the Diamondbacks had uh, the Diamondbacks had a one-game lead over the Cubs. They also held the tiebreaker, so it's good to know that if the Cubs would have just played the Diamondbacks evenly, let's say four and three, or even five and two, they didn't need to smack him, but they needed to get tiebreaker. They didn't hold the tiebreaker over the Reds, the Marlins, or the Diamondbacks, so their backs were really up against the wall when the records started getting closer. But I'd like to add just a couple couple more things. I don't think Rossi's in-game adjustments were great. I believe that he would at times turn to guys where the lead was already big and he would try and bring in guys that were tired. Mark Leiter lost his splitter. This is bullpen usage we're talking about here for in-game stuff. Another thing was Merriweather did well. Alzali got injured. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if guys were just getting hurt. Fulmer got hurt down the stretch for being overused a bit. I'm not entirely sure. There's other things at play there. Jose Quas was used a ton. I think Luke Little could have been used a lot more. And Daniel Palencia could have had more seasoning. A couple of those guys, just Little and Palencia, they came up and made a pretty swift move to the majors after starting at, you know, single A South Bend. But in order for them to make their way all the way up, they still need some time at Iowa. And part of that, to me, is still the front office. So the front office probably needs to supplement a little bit more in order to get Ross or really any manager the ability to make smart in-game adjustments. So I do think that Ross did not do well with his roster. But I also believe that even though he wasn't dealt a great hand to start with, he also misused and overused some of them. There's a couple things that play there for me. And another thing I wanted to just make note of was that when Ross was given a good roster overall, he's only finished just barely over 583 and 79 this year. Like you said, down the stretch, if you're going to go 7 and 14 in September, especially with a good roster, they're going to spend a lot of money. We know in 2021, they let go of the core of the trade deadline. They also put out Schwindel in 2022 and Rafael Ortega, and I thought of this this morning. It, these these things haunt me. Uh, Michael Hermosillo and Jason Hayward and Rafael Ortega shared a lot of time in center field in order to have Seiya Suzuki in right, but that center field option is terrible. The Cubs will look a lot better at center. They looked a lot better last year. They'll look a lot better going forward, but some of the uh, decisions that were made, you know, it's tough because the front office gave him a bad roster at times. That was a terrible team in 2022 and parts of 2021, we were working with garbage. So it's really tough to evaluate Ross in those instances. But I also think when he was given a good roster, he just didn't show enough. And the last point I'd like to make before I pass it back to you would be as mediocre as Ross was, there was a clear opportunity here after November 1st, the Cubs were able to, have permission to look at counsel. He had to ask for, the front office had to ask for permission before November 1st because he was still under contract. He was no longer on contract after November 1st. 
And what that allowed, what that allowed them to do was get those five days he hadn't signed yet. He's probably trying to get some money out of the Mets or Guardians, provide that offer, and bring it back to Milwaukee to uh, Mark Atanasio or whatever his name is, the Brewers owner, and say, "Hey, I'd like some more money." But because he didn't sign any deals yet, and the Brewers were going to cop up the extra money, the Cubs swooped in. And if you have a chance to swoop in and add, uh, spend a lot more money on your manager, even though they're spending way more compared to you know with Council compared to Ross, you're going to get a manager that's taken you know a, quite a bit more with his teams, done quite a bit better, an elite manager. So I'll kick it to you as to, do you feel like Craig Council is a massive upgrade over David Ross? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we, you know, that's kind of stating the obvious. He's <laughs> an incredible upgrade. I mean, if you look at, um, I was just pulling the numbers for extra inning games. Um, they were 10 and 5 for extra inning games. Uh, they were one on one run or extra inning games. They were 29 19. Wow. So that's an incredible stat as far as uh, managing. Close games like that with a bullpen, um, which leads me to my next stat, um, which is they had at 35, 35 wins um, that were one or two runs, two runs or less. 35 wins, which is incredible. Um, so they, their bullpen was second. They had the second ranked bullpen at a 3.40 ERA. 46 wow. saves. They were second in hits allowed. They had the third best whip at a one-two-one. And did they have the best start? The best overall ERA, right? From what I last saw last year. Either way, that bullpen ERA is incredible. Yeah, um, I mean they absolutely outperformed pro- projections. Yep. Uh, I every mean year, every year they do. Every year they do. I mean, he's in the conversation for manager of the year. He's easily he top he five. Yeah. He can make a case for Brandon Hyde of the Orioles. He can make a case for yeah. Rocco Baldelli of the Twins. Um, maybe even Kevin Cash, but the, the Rays didn't exactly finish, you know, as great as maybe some would have expected. Yeah, I would have actually thought Tori Lavolo, Lavello. I don't even know his name. I don't know. I don't know him well. I'm not a friend. Nobody knows his name. <laughs> The Diamondbacks manager did make it to the World Series. I mean, he he took that team also above and beyond projections. I don't think he's even a finalist. I know Council's a finalist this year. And I'm trying to remember the other two off the top of my head. I don't have that down anywhere. But there was a couple other managers that I thought had decent rosters and sort of either underperformed or, you know, didn't do super well. So I'm surprised that I'm surprised some other managers aren't up there, you know, in the in the finalists uh, for this year. But you're right; those are some good examples of other managers. And Bruce Bochy, shouts out to Bruce for although the Rangers had a really good roster, they were also terrible last year. I did see them play. I live here in Fort Worth, not far from Arlington. Saw some cheap Rangers games last year. I think they were 20 games out of uh, first place. They were terrible. The Rangers were like a 90-loss team or something, and they became a 90-win team and won the World Series. That just even goes to show, too, that if you can get a lot out of a manager, if you can stretch four or five wins, like he said, they had a solid 
margin of victory for one run games and even 30 said 35 wins for 35 yeah for two runs two runs or less yeah two or less having being able to win all those close games and like you said with the bullpen you said the birds do have a better bullpen on paper they've done some probably more with either pitch labs or their infrastructure there but at the same time council is is getting it done he's making the Brewers were 19th in payroll last year, the 125 million. And like you said, the bullpen usage, will the Cubs be able to give Council another good bullpen to work with? He actually had Josh Hader traded away from him in a in a good season to the Padres. I don't understand yeah. that trade. Yeah, sure. that's pretty surprising. That's what you call poverty franchise. You're making a decision like that because you're not sure if you'll extend him. Now Hader's a free agent. Will will council be able to lure us into any good free agents like that? I sure hope. In 2025, Corbin Burns would be a free agent. Craig Council will be a cub for the next five years, 40 million. The question is, can he help get us Burns when he's a free agent? Or do we think he's gonna give us any other free agents this year? I think some of that is a possibility. And to me, what this upgrade tells us is that the ownership is in the front office has signaled to the fans that they're serious. They mean serious business here. They're going to spend money. They just spent $3 million a year, more than the brewers are willing to spend in order to lure him away. You've taken him from your enemy, your division rival. We were just hoping for the brewers to not get counsel. Not only did we get that, he's taken away from our division rival that we'll be competing with for the Central, but he's also on our team now. Hopefully, we'll stretch some additional amount of wins out of him. And being a 90-win team can get you to the World Series nowadays. That's important. The biggest thing the Brewers did is they're aggressive on the base pass. They can go first to third. They still technically still bases a little bit less than the Cubs. So he can he can still get stolen bases, potentially even out of not super fast guys. They had fast guys this year, but they're still able to steal. They're aggressive. And when they push the envelope, they can get a walk out of a good at bat. They can either steal or go first to third and then manufacture a run with some situational hitting. Combine that with a good bullpen. They do have a better starting rotation, the Brewers do, than the Cubs. So that's a massive point of contention is what will Craig Council do if this, if some of the pitching aspects aren't all the way there, the Cubs failed this year tremendously at creating a bullpen, especially of cheaper arms and a lot of injuries. And that, unfortunately, they will have to supplement and figure that out this year in order to give council something to work with. And I'll pass it back to you. If you have any other thoughts on like what the Cubs could do or what, what do we think council does well that will make this team successful next year? Uh, one of the moves that they could make is they could look into signing a you know bullpen piece like Hector Neris, who declined his option with the Houston Astros wow. uh, for eight million dollars. So he's, I mean, he had I think a one point two nine ERA. Uh, so he's a solid bullpen piece. If they don't go out and sign someone or trade for a closer like David Bednar, so you know, be optimistic as far as um, signing. A free agent relief pitcher. I I don't think 
the Cubs, you know, would get Josh Hader per se. I think they want to spread their money out a little bit. They want to make a splash or two and see where that goes. Maybe a starting rotation ad or, you know, a, a, a slugger like we've talked about. Yeah. So trade for a, trading for Juan Soto. <laughs> and the interesting thing, a couple housekeeping notes, as a lot of podcasters like to say, some additional bits of news to aggregate from. Padres are trying to de, I shouldn't say deleverage. They're trying to bring the leverage back to their boat with the Juan Soto deal or a potential deal. They're trying to make a make it out to the media that Soto may not be available to be traded until sometime during the season. So that's that's just a piece of news that's out there. You can take it as you will. They might just be trying to get better offer. He most certainly will get more than Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso, as John Morosi reported of MLB Network, has a 50-50 shot to get dealt this offseason. To me, that's a massive bit of news to think about. And certainly, that makes the Cubs more likely to extend somebody or to go out and get somebody if you have Craig Council over David Ross. David Ross was not a terrible manager. It's unfortunate that he had to be let go. But for fans of sports teams, this is wonderful. I mean, you certainly feel bad for the guy and you almost question how is that relationship? Will that relationship hurt anyone down the road in terms of do the players feel a little bit alienated? Do they love Rossi? They've been there. Some of them have been there for a few years, half corner. Suzuki's only been there for a couple of years, but I certainly wonder if the players question about will they just get traded or they will be What's going to happen? There might be some uncertainty. However, Council has never been given a roster with this much money. Dollar signs. I think there's a possibility, and I've also heard some news as well. There's, the GM meetings are in Arizona. For any listeners that are listening here, casually not knowing about the schedule yet of the offseason, GM meetings are in Arizona, and there's a lot of buzz right now. The Cubs will go after Japanese pitchers. What does that mean? One of them, which crown jewel of the offseason, Shohei Otani. Cubs said Cubs have been said to be aggressive for Shohei. And also, we don't know yet, because he hasn't posted, he's going to post next week. Yamamoto potentially will post. Next week, posting means the club that signs him and the majors will have to pay a posting fee, just as the Cubs did for Seiya Suzuki in 2022. So that gets tacked on to the to the cost of the entire of doing business goes to the team that posts them and they have a 45 day window to sign. They are going to move fast. The Japanese players that get posted uh, KBO or the, the NPB Nippon professional baseball in Japan, both those leagues, I believe it's 45 days. And so as soon as Yamamoto posts potentially next week after veterans day passes, he's going to have 45 days to sign, which means you could see him sign by Thanksgiving or for sure by Christmas. And some of these dates are sort of put out there in turn, not the 45 days, but Thanksgiving is tossed around. I remember this is a big one. Hosmer signed around new year's. That was a big off season splash for the Cubs 700,000. And he was DFA'd in what may, I think we all predict. <laughs> yeah, something like we that. knew it was going to be DFA'd. We knew <laughs> it. We said, this guy's going to get DFA'd in June or July. And I think he was DFA'd in June. 
in order to make room for Matt Mervis. And not that Mervis did well, but geez, we're going to be working with a much better roster next year. But any more thoughts on uh, Craig Council and what he can do for this team? Um, You know, it's been tossed around as far as the projections for wins. Just adding Council, you know, Sam Olger of Locked on Cubs said, you know, at least maybe six or seven wins, I believe, something like that. So, you know, I would say roughly five wins at least, probably closer to five wins more than what Ross would, you know, probably give us for the 2024 season. I just remembered what I was going to say earlier. Council's one-run victories in which the Cubs really struggled last year because of the bullpen and situational hitting and things like that. Yeah. There's a website or there's a, there's a site called Pythagorean, like the Pythagorean theorem. Mm -hmm. Why they call themselves that everyone calls them Pythag or whatever. Mm -hmm. They look at your expected record as a team, your expected record based on run differential the Cubs were seven games worse than their like their Pythagorean, their expected run, their expected record, period. So they were actually, based on how they played to a certain extent in the run differential, they were expected mm-hmm. to be a 90-win team. So they left wins on the table. That's what they felt they did. And like you said, as I just elegantly scroll the internet here trying to provide this nugget of information, I thought to myself, how good is Craig Council as a player? Well, the answer was he's a 22 war player in his career in almost 16 seasons. So he was like a one and a half, not even a one and a half war per year player. But we think, folks, he's a five to six, maybe seven war manager. That's incredible. And you're signing that seven war manager, six war manager at $8 million a year. It's actually pretty good value. If you were to get Mike Trout years ago or Shohei Otani, $8 million a year, obviously we'd be screaming from the rooftops. Shohei Otani was unbelievable. 10 war player. So that's the guy you should target. Is it t- Can you imagine combining a 10 war player like Otani and a five, six, seven war manager like Council? Yeah. Yeah, it's impressive. 17 wins? 16 wins? <laughs> Yeah, we win 100 games next year. I think we're winning 100 games. <laughs> I, I, I think it's important just to note that the Cubs will be players in the free agency market. I think that Council has tremendously impacted that. I think the the Cubs were going to be players anyways, but I think it just further proves the point whether you know, Jed Hoyer admits it or not, that they will spend money. I think when you make a move like that to to go out of your way and fire a guy like David Ross to hire a guy like Craig Council, it signifies something within your organization. It says that you're ready or you are right on the cusp of being ready. Right. I agree. I think I think if the Cubs don't make a ton of moves, I think we talked about some marginal moves slash decent moves they can make if if it's there, such as Justin Turner at DH or Reese Hoskins at first. Some of the moves like that, 
I also think counsel, what he provides for you is the ability to be confident in his young players. Do you remember the catchphrase of last year that Ross got burned for? I believe he said, we're going to play the guys that got us here. Right. And media ran. I thought, I thought it was, I only play veterans or something like that. <laughs> That's the translation for what that means. <laughs> I thought he looked right into the camera on ESPN and said, I only play veterans. No, I, I think I think they need a mixture of veterans, but I think they also need you know a mixture of veterans and young players like PCA, like Matt Mervis. I think if you sign someone like Otani, there is risk, obviously. But what I was thinking was maybe you can backload that deal until he's a fully healthy pitcher. Oh yeah. So you not pay him a ton of money up front and you know, we don't have a lot of money anyways for 2024 as far as you know trying to front load his contract if we wanted to the, an interesting thing to note so we're digging into like we talked about the report about the japanese pitchers that the cubs will be aggressive on again still predictions are that they won't sign him because he might command a bajillion dollars he might get a billion dollars yamamoto i think is worth it to me and Shohei's got tricky valuation. I like the idea of front-loading. Here's the reason why I like front-loading. Front back loading. Or sorry, back-loading, back-loading. Can we middle-load him? Uh, <laughs> that would be amazing. Middle, middle that would be amazing. <laughs> can we, like, bell curve his contract? <laughs> can we give him a bell-shaped curve? <laughs> They're like, Shohei, this is a bell. Billy, what is it from Moneyball? This is Shohei Otani. Or Billy, this is a bell curve. We're going to bell curve your contract. He's just like, what? You can backload Shohei Otani's contract, except how many years do you give him? What would be interesting to me, like you said, is next year, if you could find a way to creatively only pay him as a DH, he's actually one of the best hitters of our, like still of our generation, even in in the small sample. He's a, a tremendous hitter. Somehow the best a top 10 pitcher and like a essentially number one to number three type hitter in the entire majors. But yeah, if you could front load him and pay him 40, $45 million next year. And Hey, if he pitches in 2025 and he's, he's no worse for the wear, even after his shadow, Tommy John surgery, whatever they don't want to call it. He's going to be a ridiculous player. 10 war 10. We've never had a 10 war player. It's because he's a five-war player at two aspects. The first, he's the Babe. Can you can you resurrect Babe Ruth from the dead and have him sign a deal? But he's probably a better pitcher than Babe Ruth ever was, too. And would I pay him? Would I pay him forty million in twenty twenty-four and sixty million in twenty twenty-five? Yes, I would do that. I would pay him. I would hope, hopefully, get him to agree on that. And hey. <clears throat> That looks like eight years. So be it. Because like you've mentioned before, he can potentially pitch out of the bullpen when he gets older. Pitch one or two innings. Give you 96, 97. Give you that sweeper slider and that splitter. I would love for the Cubs to do that. And the reason why I would also love for a backloaded contract would be the Cubs are bringing both Drew Smiley, 10 mil, and Kyle Hendricks, 16 mil, off the books in 2025. Folks, the books are looking cleaner in 2025, even cleaner. 
If you have another 26 million, you can go over the luxury tax this year and go tremendously over and then save 26 million and have Otani pitch because he's going to cover for those two spots very easily. Smiley right. and Hendricks. But there's a lot of other free agents out there. And if they're not going to make a play at him, I hope they at least take a stab at guys like Eduardo Rodriguez, Aaron Nola. I've heard they might not be in on Snell, but again, these are just preliminary reports from the athletic. They have a chance that Nola or Rodriguez they still need additional pitching. And I don't want them to only go after one mid-level pitcher. Then they're going to need to depend tremendously on Kate Horton and Ben Brown next year and Jordan Wicks. The depth is there, but like we've mentioned, we need some top-level pitching, especially losing Stroman, him opting out. You're going to need a number two-level pitcher to combat for Tyone's deal, and hopefully he rebounds too. You need a lot of rebounding. We need Dennis Rodman for the Cubs next year. They need to rebound Smiley a bit. He's going to be in the bullpen more. Hendricks has already rebounded, but you're going to need Tyone to rebound. Steele's fine. But you need a couple more pitchers, and I'm scared a bit. They might just go for depth and not try and go into the the depth waters, you know, the deep waters. But I also feel like they will get someone. I think they'll get a few. And that's why I'm hoping they at least get guys like Hoskins and Justin Turner at the minimum. But if there's a trade there for Alonzo, you got to make it. And that starts with guys like Morell and Mervis. And they're going to have to give up some pitching there too. And that, that might even entice them more to go after starters if they give up any other starters and deal for Pete Alonzo. Yeah, I don't, I think we have the depth already. Like you said, I mean, we have Jordan Wicks, Javier Assad, some, I mean, Cade Horton, Ben Brown, all, like you had mentioned, all these guys, those are four already in addition to, you know, Tyone. Tyone could easily lock in the four spot or five spot. Um, Steele's going to go one or two. So you only maybe need a couple more, like two more oh, pitchers. Yeah. I mean that. I mean again, that's excluding all of the young guys that we j- had just mentioned. So our depth is there. I think our pitching depth is now there. We just we have to figure out how to add, you know, a bona fide ace. I think if you all you could also add in, you know, an opt out um, in Shohei's deal. So if he doesn't like it in Chicago, he could opt out after a third year or something like that, um, and then maybe command even more money if his if his performance has improved if that's even possible if the cubs do get otani i like for them to at least get another pitcher that will pitch next year because they do need the arms and i agree that it's likely they would get two i'm hoping that what that ends up being is a a number two level starter to pair with steel if that second pitcher they get is more of a depth piece that can sort of fit in at a lower cost or possibly I don't want to say service depth, but in essence, they become depth. If it is what it is, it, it that's how it has to go. But I do think one impact pincher, pitcher at least, and one impact hitter. And if they can somehow get Bellinger re-signed and an impact hitter via trade or elsewhere and get a couple pitchers that provide that value, then the only other thing you really need is Heimer at third or Morella third. And you're going to need a couple bullpen pieces and they, who knows how cheap they'll go. Maybe one for a vet and one, a few other reclamation type cheap pieces. That's that's how they always do that. Unfortunately. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if, you know, this is the winner that 
they finally spin big and they make a big splash or two. So. Let's hope. Well, we have we have beaten the horse and we've gone through here. This is what we like, folks. We love a good manager that's been a manager for nine years. We love that. That's a tremendous upgrade over David Ross. And I'm not David Ross, and neither are you. I'm Zach Flotten, and you're John Flotten, and this is the Brother of the Cubs podcast. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week after another discussion. Hopefully some awesome news from the GM meetings in Arizona. Peace. Peace.